Chapter 14, Disco is for Bad People. This should be Chapter 13, but 13 is bad luck, so there is no Chapter 13. Quote, Chills that you pour up my back, fill me, fill me with sun. End quote. My hands are open in front of them, and I show the ladies the change I have. All I know is I have 13 coins in my hand. The vegetables I have picked out are in front of me, already bagged. I'm happy to just give them all the change, but they won't take it. They finger through the coins and take what I owe them. It seems impossibly cheap. No more than 5 RMB for a week's worth of vegetables. I offer more and they smile and wave their hands. No. These smiley exchanges with locals have made living here possible. They've started to bind me to the place. At home I try to cook eggs, but the microwave is still a semi-mystery to me. As the egg, egg breaks and explodes, I've absolutely no time at all to move my head from the door, and the door flies open. The handle strikes me in the bridge of the nose, and while it's too hard, I recoil and grab for my face. Egg plasters my face and the wall behind me. I clean the egg off my face and head out to go to the office to get paid. There's a lot of pressure on leaders, in inverted commas here, to avoid going out too late. I've been told three times by three different colleagues, and to be back on campus by midnight. Leaders in Chinese society are not only leaders of organisations and institutions in the sense that we think of them, but also traditionally teachers. Teachers aren't supposed to just teach, but to provide students at all levels with a role model, a moral compass. I think this accounts for some of the shock in my classes when I've talked quite frankly about my, my life, about girlfriends and college and things that I've done. It seems I'm supposed to serve as an example, not to get too close or not to show my frailties. So when I ask as a matter of casual conversation where the best bar is for dancing and drinking beer, I get, many people think disco is evil. They have scantily clad girls there and too much booze. The office girl didn't even stop counting out my salary, she said it. It just kind of popped out of her mouth like a comment about the weather. No one had said anything officially at work, but there had been some subtle stories told of teachers they didn't like who, quote, came home drunk all the time and brought men or women home, end quote. This is obviously some sort of warning to me. I get the impression that the Chinese don't talk very directly about such things. They would never say to me directly, don't go to the disco. It would be much more oblique, like these stories that they are telling me. This rather direct stab of opinion from the office worker was even more surprising given the lack of direct comments I got so far. Was it her weak language skills that were actually at the heart of it? Did she know really how direct she was being? Is it easier to be brave in a foreign language? As I turn to leave the office, the worker says, Stop, there's something yellow behind your ear. Are you sick? I feel my face burn red and wipe egg from behind my ear, my pocket bulging with cash. She giggles, and I start to laugh too. Laughter transcends language. Chapter 15. We meet. Quote, Christmas, a religious holiday originating in the West, is prevailing in China, where only 1.15% of Chinese are Christians. Although we are far from our country, we feel at home here, because Beijing is filled with festival atmosphere, said William Lindsay, an American who works for the protection work of the Great Wall. In the, in the lobby of the Oriental Plaza in Wangfujing Street, downtown Beijing, a beer bottle Christmas tree 
about 8 metre tall and weighing 7 tonnes, is decorated with dazzling lights and gift boxes. Such a tree would have been seen as an exaggerated and bizarre ornament in the past. In today's Beijing, however, smiling Santa Clauses, colourful Christmas stockings, trees and slogans with Merry Christmas are everywhere. Jingle bells resounds in many of the metropolis's shopping malls. End quote. The Father Christmas in the hotel lobby looked bright and new. His red coat blended perfectly with the large red banner stretched across the entrance wishing everyone a happy, jolly, merry Christmas. Foam snow was spread under him and he leaned precariously against a green plastic tree, a Christmas tableau like the ones at home, but God had been amputated from it, severed from. Three of us foreigners had met here to have a drink to wash away the Christmas blues. We all joked about the relief of avoiding Christmas, the escape from gift-giving, from Christmas TV and indiscriminate caroling. But I could feel even in me a, a sense of deflation, a longing for home despite all the cool talk. This was my first Christmas as an expat, adrift, away. I didn't even know Christmas was important to me until I didn't really have it. We sat at the end of a bar that was, weirdly to us, serving drinks like any other day. People were even still in meetings and it was odd to see business as usual on a day at home that sees the country virtually stand still. I ordered a Qingdao beer and immediately sank one big foamy mouthful after clinking a toast with the other two guys. Well, I've got two invites for tonight. One, the Computer Committee Christmas Party and the Foreign Trade Party, Mark smiled. A small white foamy moustache was left on his lip long after he swallowed the Guinness. Jack, an English guy from a college across town, smirked. Don't go to the student parties, mate. There's no booze. They play games and they drink soft drink and usually have a program of events. It's not really a party, lads. And we all smiled and drank some more and felt the beer warm us and sank into the chairs. We talked about whether we'd go to the radio, the school of radio and television across town. All the foreigners in town had been invited to this particular party and according to Jack, it was, wasn't a bad one. It's huge, he said. All the students turn up and they put on an okay show and it's a good crowd. We can poke our heads in and even put a beer or two in our bags. We toasted that and drifted out of the hotel after a couple more. We travelled across town to the radio school in a pedicab, beer bottles clinking at our feet. After counting rows and working it out, we kind of figured that the auditorium at this school was filled with over 700 students. The whole place seemed to sag and gasp with the heat and the weight of all these bodies crammed into the place. As we entered a little late, most of the audience stopped watching an act and cheered and called out to us like we were the pop stars. Whenever we got up or looked around, hundreds of faces would watch us. Being a very sort of ordinary person... I felt like I'd walked into the wrong world, and it didn't feel right. I gulped some beer from my bag, being careful no one saw the label. I didn't realise that singing was obligatory. Mark got up and sang a couple of verses of a song in Chinese, and when he sat back down, he whispered over thunderous applause, I don't know what the hell it means. I was called out as well, but I'd never sung in public before. I, I talked a little and tried a couple of words in Chinese. The crowd went quiet waiting for the music. Luckily, my terror was brought to an end by, by a host jumping on stage to start applause to get me off after they realised I was too paralysed with n nerves to even sing a note. At the end of the party, I followed the foreigners outside to a balcony. 
The city from there looked hazy and cold. I could see no trees with leaves on them. It looked like a grey skeleton of a place, waiting for flesh to grow around its bones. A girl wandered out. She smiled over at us. Her smile dazzled me and seemed at odds with the cold. It was contagious and I smiled back before I knew I was even smiling. Our eyes met. She held out her business cards to everyone, but gave me my card last. She flicked her head to the side and looked up at me and said, There you go, sir. Don't forget me. And she turned away. Her name was Eve. She didn't tell me her Chinese name. And she was one of the organisers of the, of the event, and apparently the teacher with the best English, hence given the job to, quote, liaise with the foreign guests. She explained all this later with a delightful laugh and turned back to me as the others moved away. Even though I knew her name, she looked up me again and said, I'm Eve, and who are you? I was disarmed by her directness. Her lips were moist from the steam that came billowing out of her mouth. I told her my name and she nodded and said after a pause, if you feel lonely or you want someone to help you with your daily life, you can call me. You must need help with your Chinese. And she laughed again and I smiled. My smile was stuck on me even when I, was talk even when I wasn't talking to her. She headed away with a small sidelong glance. I fingered the number in, in my fingers and slipped it into my jacket for later. I couldn't shake the image of her smile for the rest of the day. It was stuck in my head. Chapter 16. God. Quote, It seems very unlikely that 10% of the total population, 100 to 130 million, are Christians, although even these figures are sometimes casually circulated overseas. In Wenzhou, the so-called Jerusalem of China, it is generally agreed within China that 10 to 20% of the population there are Protestants. Yet this percentage cannot be extrapolated across the entire country. End quote. Christmas Eve was cold. I didn't want to drink with foreigners or sit up in my flat to see in Christmas Day. I wanted to be alone on the street, let the landscape I was in settle around me, no distractions. So I was walking, walking late into the icy blackness. I still had a beer left in my bag and I stopped to take a swig every block or so. It was around 11.30pm when I left the flat, looking forward to the deserted streets of the night. Locals all seemed to go to bed at 930 and it felt like the whole city was gone, asleep. But on Christmas Eve, young people, mainly students I guessed, were wandering in groups or couples, and small shops were still open selling flowers. I stopped to buy a bar of chocolate at one place, and a student with her boyfriend in tow turned to me with a huge smile spread across her face and saying, Happy Christmas, and swung back around to disappear into the street with some friends, a red nose clutched in a gloved hand. Christmas had the feel of Valentine's Day, and New Year's Day kind of blended and morphed together somehow. This made me feel a little bit more alone, but even kind of thrilled to be lost in this strange new world. Christmas Day, I got a knock at my door. Two young women stood there smiling at me. Again, huge warm smiles, and I smiled back and asked them what they wanted. They had a book in their hand, but at first I couldn't see exactly what it was and they were speaking in Chinese. I asked them if they could speak English and all they could say was no. I went to close the door, but they seemed very insistent that I talk with them and it was then that I saw the cover of the book. It was a small black Bible. 
So far, my experience has been that many people assume that being a foreigner, I of course believe in God. I'd, I'd got quite a few surprise looks already for saying I wasn't particularly religious. The girls saw that I'd seen the cover and they laughed and made the sign of the cross and sort of made out like they wanted to come in, but I nodded no. I tried to figure out how I could tell them I'm not really practicing at the moment, or at the very most sort of undecided. I said the word God, and they nodded and repeated. They understood that. I then racked my brains for some Chinese phrase I could use, and I came up with Bushi Wan God, and I smiled. Their smiles evaporated from their faces, and they backed away from the door. I said, sorry in Chinese as I closed the door. I realized what I'd said later translates literally as, I don't like God. I was alone again. <laughs>